Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights. Thanks, sponsors. Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication, ComC.com, Burbank Sports Cards, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Heritage Auctions, Huckington Scott Auctions, Upper Deck, Panini, and Todd. This is an outtake episode. It was on Hobby Hotline with Brad Bethune and Chris Harris of Stale Gum, Texas Card Dude. And we had a number of call-ins and questions, and so we had a good conversation. Part of it was about Team USA, the desirability of those cards. And so that's the main part. Again, it's an hour-long show, and this is 12 minutes or whatever it is that I pulled out that I thought stuff that I haven't talked about. Rather than doing a whole episode on Team USA, this was fresh. And here it is. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Brad. Thanks, callers, uh, commenters, participants. Thanks, sponsors. I always enjoy Hobby Hotline on uh, Saturday. I haven't participated on Tuesday evening, but I'm sure that's fun, too, with some with uh, slightly different hosts. Maybe I'll do that one of these days. So thanks, everybody. And here is the discussion. Can I give a tip that might apply to anybody, but it certainly seems to apply to me. But when I've made deals and looked at the bargain boxes for some of these dealers and I come to the same guys every time, what I find is if there's three or four people in front of the table, sometimes the dealer will say, hey, come on around back. (laughs) I'm just saying, if you're a recurring customer, they find a place for you. If you're just a random customer coming up, you're trying to get some elbow room. But if you're a recurring customer then they want you to have a spot. They want you to sit down and and make yourself at home and pull generously. There was actually grumblings among the people that had tables there that were saying that the Dallas show is starting to get to be too much, too often. It was almost in the double digits that was saying this. What's your opinion? As soon as that double digit complaining list gets bigger, than the more than double digit list of wait list of dealers that want tables. Kyle, I think, is has this delicate balance. He wants to provide yeah. a good experience for the dealers. I think he really gets that, but he, he wants to provide a lot of variety for the customers. If the customers say there's too many shows, and if the dealers drop off to where he's got unsold tables, yeah, he'll do something. But right now, yeah. it still seems to be working for most of the people. As a consumer, yeah, that's great because there's competition. Yeah. But as a dealer, you start lowering your, lowering your price. So it's, I guess it's a good, delicate balance. Well, it is a balance, but then Kyle also has these airport shows. There's still a hundred and some tables, but they're in between the two big shows. He's done that. And he didn't do that this time. And it's some of the same local dealers. And he, he may not do it in April. I don't know. Yeah. In fact, I asked, asked his guy about that. And they said, we don't know. I think it goes by feel. And that's fine with me. I realize that when I'm sitting at a bargain box, say a dollar box, and I'm going through it, I'm really concentrating on it, and I'm not using my sense of smell. I'm not using my mouth. I'm not using my ears. I'm just using my eyes. And so I'm quickly scanning the cards to see what I want. But that doesn't mean my ears are turned off. It's amazing if you camp out in a strategic place what you overhear to your left or your right. And again, you're hearing like these kids that'll come by and they'll say things. And so I'm trying to be stereo, listen out of both ears and keep concentrating on the cards. What what happened this time is I had a situation where the dealer that I was buying and I was way on the side of his table, but I heard him negotiating a deal with somebody that wanted some other stuff and he was going to buy a bunch of stuff. And he was saying what his prices were for buying. I'll take that deal. (laughs) So after that guy left... (laughs) <laughs> I, I told the dealer, I said, you're picking up a nice stack of cards here, but if you really want some of the stuff that you just were trying to transact, I have that same stuff. 
and I'll be happy to bring it in, you know, tomorrow morning and maybe it can be an offset and just a trade deal. And he said, sure. And so I wound up substantially offsetting my purchase. And for dealers that are listening, it really enticed me to buy more than I would have. So I've pulled yeah. more aggressively because I'm going to get this in trade. And I didn't take a huge haircut, but obviously I don't expect to get exact value for value when somebody's got a paying for their booth space and their helpers and stuff like that. But I got a fair deal. And uh, again, it made it more fun going through the cards. But I wouldn't have picked up on that if I had not heard. The other thing I heard when I was sitting there, and this is the second time this happened, that he said something about BGS. And then the one guy, and this is 10 feet away, but I'm in the corner. And he says, it's too bad Dr. Beckett's not alive anymore. <laughs> for that. For the because we don't like what's going on to the company with since he's been gone. I went, hey dude, I'm I'm breathing. I'm not just using my eyes and ears. I'm using my nose and my mouth to breathe, <laughs> breathe in, breathe out. So I'm still alive. But there were some other guys there that said, no, he's still alive. He's still alive. Oh my gosh! I so I'm alive. That's fodder. I, that, I'm using that later. I think expanding the amateur draft and international draft, yeah. those kind of things actually could have an impact on the hobby in the sense that it's going to bring more scrutiny to evaluating and where somebody fell in the pecking order. Because it's hard to prospect in baseball, really young guys. Very hard. That's one of the things because he checked lighter. The Rangers picked up lighter in the first round last year. They're already slating him for triple A this year or maybe Frisco, which is the double A. That'll be nice. But to have those young kids all the way down in Low A, single A, it could take years or if ever they ever come out. Probably more than any other sport, the baseball draft is a crapshoot. Even a top five pick, there's no guarantee that this guy is ever going to even play in the majors, much less become a star, a regular everyday player. I get it, why they would want to go prospect in the high school level, but because of that risk and the pay increase for first-year players went up during these negotiations, which is nice. More money's nice, but that's a bigger risk for a kid coming out of high school. I think you should go to college at least for a year or two to play college ball before you're ever eligible. It, it depends on the player, too. I, I think if you commit to going to college, you have to spend three years before you're eligible for the draft again. And in those three years, some players could develop into what could have been a late-round draft pick or even an undrafted free agent into a legit prospect. But at the same time, you can go from being a first-round pick out of high school and maybe blow your elbow out in college and not get anything. Yeah. I just don't know many college graduates that have a starting salary of $570,000, much less 770000 or whatever they're up to. So the chance at is pretty hard to pass up if you were a really good high school player and there's interest in you in the draft. Going to college might seem like a detour. If you have draft bargaining power, an expanded yeah. draft. A lot of these first-round picks that come out of high school, they negotiate not just a seven-digit signing bonus, but also tuition benefits yeah. as well. So they go to college in the offseason and the team pays for it. I saw some stuff in the comments in the chat about increasing the size of the bases. And, and that sounds pretty innocuous, but there may be more to that. If the bases are a little bit bigger, does that decrease injuries? 
Does that make it easier to steal bases? Does it also make it easier for umpiring to be digitized with respect to those bases of phantom swipe double plays and things like that? That there would be sensors on these bigger bases and you're giving the shortstop and the second baseman a little more base to, to push off. But I, I think it might be a bigger deal than we think. Yeah, I like the pictures where you got Ricky Henderson holding up a base about twice his size. That was funny. But if you do think about it, you got shorter distances. It's, it shaves off an inch off each one. And that's, they're going to have those close calls at first base. There could be sensors uh, on this mm-hmm. new bigger base that does the foot get there before the ball, whether it's sonar or, or some kind of a thing. They, I just think they want to move toward instant replay that's not just based on low-tech camera, but also the sensor in the base. Baseball is different than football and basketball because with football and basketball, you're more likely to have NIL opportunities if you go to college. And so I think baseball gets a break there. College baseball is great and everything, but if you're a 15-year-old multi-sport athlete and you're playing three sports in high school and you're the top guy in your district or in your region, you'd have a dilemma of which sport to pick. But you have lots of financial opportunities in all of them. So you ought to just pick what you like the most or what you think you'll do the best. If you compare it five years ago, the opportunities these younger players are going to have with NIL and the expanded draft and the bigger money. The thing with baseball regarding NIL is that we've had a version of NIL in baseball for a while now, and that's the USA Baseball License. Yeah. And they have the collegiate national team, the 18 and under team, the 14 and under, the 16 and under teams. I think Panini's had that license now for close to a decade. Tops had it in the early 2000s. Upper Deck had it in the 2000s. But the thing is, I don't see a whole lot of demand for USA licensed cards compared to a first Bowman card in an MLB uniform or a traditional rookie card. You you take a product like 2010 Bowman. I think the first year Tops had the USA license and they had USA licensed cards of Bryce Harper, Manny Machado, Sonny Gray, Trevor Bauer, Francisco Lindor. A lot of players that went on to become all-star players and a few that didn't. But I don't see the demand for, say, the Bryce Harper USA card compared to his first Bowman card or his traditional rookie. When it comes to NIL cards, yeah, they'll have some value if that player becomes an all-star in their sport. But compared to a traditional rookie card, I don't know if if the demand's going to be there. Especially since these NIL cards are not licensed by the colleges. They just feature the player in like an airbrushed uniform. You are exactly correct for a 2022 perspective. But whether that'll hold true, Chris, in 2025 or not, I don't know. We think it's just going to be business as usual, but you never know. When people are evaluating what they want to spend money on, those Team USA cards may look more appealing at the lower price point, which increases the demand and uh, bumps up the price, but you're exactly right now. But I mean, that, five I mean, years, that's not to say that the Bryce Harper USA card is not a valuable card. It is. Right, but it, it's but just that compared to his first exactly. Bowman card, which came out the year later, 
and his rookie cards, which came out two years later. I'm just saying that there's not really that much demand for it. Comparatively, but those relationships, they're not fixed. They're fluid, but it's the way it's always been. There's a pecking order, but it could flip or it could get a little closer. What's interesting is y'all are talking about the USA cards. I, I, I went back and I've been trying to pick up the USA autographed cards because I thought, okay, if I can't get the Bowman first or any type of autographed card in, in player uniform, let me go back and look at the USA uniform, yep. the USA stuff. And they're still just as expensive as the regular. And I found that puzzling that the autograph stuff is equal to the logo stuff. And that's what got me more interested into this Bowman University platform. And then uh, the conversation of Fanatics possibly going more regional in the last comments that, that, that they made. Maybe because we have University of Texas at Arlington here that has a, a fantastic baseball program. That gets me excited that we've got younger players, possibly autographs of, of earlier stuff that's not branded. The man-